Welcome back to episode number 251 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast for building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we are discussing an update on waste and recycling facility fires and fire protection systems. We're doing that with Ryan Fogelman from Fire Rover team. Ryan, welcome back to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. I mean, it's good to be here. Am I your first guest that's made it three times? You are not. Um, you're probably the longest standing because you were on episode 14. <laughs> that was oh, five wow. in there. I was literally going to ask you, do you remember? I was thinking seven, but again, that's probably just me, like, you know, just trying to be better. But I got my sheet. Now we got a couple of guys that have been on three times since the first 14 episodes, if you can believe it. <laughs> well, I'm, I 100% do. I love what you do. I think it's great. So I'm happy to uh, be back on. So I'm super stoked as well. Um, the genesis of this, we talked way back in episode 14. Again, that would be about five years ago. We talked back in episode 100. So that'd be three years ago. And then we had just installed a, a live chat feature on our website a few weeks ago. And one of the first chats that came in, I just read it to, to Ryan when we came in, was, hey, I love the discussion with Ryan Vogelman on uh, waste and recycling fires. And I checked and it was actually that episode 14, five years ago that the gentleman was looking at. He was in Ireland and going on site to assess combustible dust at a waste and recycling plant and agreed that they're seeing a ton of fires over there in the UK and in Ireland with waste and recycling. And he came across that episode from five years ago. So that made me think, Ryan, I got I to gotta reach out to you. We got to get an update on the previous episodes. We talked about the reports you guys do, the write-ups, the articles. At one point, I think we had some video of you guys showing the fire rover system. Um, in the Dust Safety Academy, and a number of other things. So that's really the point for today is to, to get an overview. Where are we at today? Uh, Ryan has a degree in law, has an, a master's of business administration as well. He's a partner at Fire Rover, co-founder at Cohatch, and managing principal at Conversion Development Group. Ryan, in terms of Fire Rover, what's your role at Fire Rover? And then what what is Fire Rover? What does it do in industry? Well, so the... Fire Rover, I mean, you're asking me two great questions, right? What is Fire Rover? Basically, Fire Rover is, it's a solution to mitigate the risk of fires. And again, when I say that, I mean, I'm giving you the political way, right? You know, if I'm talking to someone on the street, I'm like, we put fires out through the internet, you know, the layman. So the, the reality is, is that it's a lot of different things. And I think when we first started talking, you know, the Fire Rover was really a 20 by eight by eight container, a big red box. And uh, we use thermal cameras, um, optical flame detection, you know, data analysis and all the AI that everybody does. But what makes us unique is that, you know, like most other fire protection, we like, you know, th there's always a risk of false deluges. We literally never have a false deluge ever, right? It's built in the system. So what ends up happening is because we have a human being that basically looks at all the symptoms of a fire, whether it's smoke, whether it's a heat abnormality, whether it's a flash or an explosion, well, we have a human being who fire rover agent who looks at it, verifies it, and then reacts. And so what they can do is they can charge the unit, which is that box that, you know, it's nitrogen powered and it's custom. And again, you know, we've evolved that solution now where I literally just finished a one of the largest battery recyclers in the country. We did 104 cameras, 57 nozzles, a 250,000 gallon tank. And this is all a continuous flow system. And it replaced the, uh, it was, it's the primary system, you know, from an NFPA perspective. But again, so what we do is our agent will look at it. They will verify, they will charge the unit and get, you know, the, um, you know, we use an environmentally friendly wetting agent and water, and then they can shoot it like a gun 
through the internet and they shoot, put the fire out or react to it. Again, if it's a lithium ion battery fire, you're, you're really shooting everything around it. You know, there's a lot of different things that we've learned over the years from a best practice perspective, but I mean, you know, to, to take it down to brass tacks, we basically see abnormalities. We look at them, we clear a ton because we are looking for every single piece of hay in a haystack to find a needle where Again, most other systems, you know, they really can't look because it confuses them or, you know, they don't understand what they're looking at and they can, you know, have any reaction is usually a bad reaction. Um, you know, that's why you have fire systems. Yeah, I know we covered this. I mean, I still remember the conversation from three years ago because we talked a lot about what Fire Rover was. I think we must have had you present at Dust Safety Academy at one point as well because I remember a video maybe of live shooting of the system or something, but... I'll give the, 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 the Coles Note version for the audience from that episode 101, which you can go to dustsafetyscience.com slash 101 or zero rather slash 14 for episode 14 and go get that information. But this is a, a system that puts out fires, gets deployed on site, big red box, like you said, um, sprays the, 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 I think you said it was a environmentally sensitive wetting agent. Did you say it's just water? Was that what I heard you say? Yeah, I mean, you know, just based on, I mean, we either use fluorine-free foams or we use a product okay. called F500, which we like, um, which is an 18A NFPA encapsulator agent. Um, so, or we just use water, you know? So again, every system set up uniquely. Some use gel. It really just depends on what we're, we're setting it up to, you know, what what the hazard is. Makes sense. And so, yeah, that the system at the the site end then, that's, that's it. But the real kind of interesting part that was, Quite innovative when you guys did and probably still innovative today was that you have the the extinguishing process you also have the detection process that's all ported back to your team and you mentioned your fire rover agent that's monitoring these systems so once something starts to trigger starts to smolder or some abnormality ab, uh, something is going wrong then the agent takes a look at that and assesses the situation can determine whether or not there needs to be extinguishing to occur then there's also some other really interesting things so if the issue can't be contained then you can certainly let the company know and you'll probably let them know before they know that something's happened on their site you can reach fire. out to fire first response fire departments and, and that was all quite interesting to hear about with that fire rover system a number of years ago i want to talk about any new innovations in fire rover but maybe even before we get into that what, what's going on in waste and recycling? Is Have we solved the problems that we were talking about three and five years ago with waste and recycling? Are they getting worse? What are some new trends? And maybe point people to a couple different resources that our team can pick up a bow fire over and what you do as well. I definitely want to get the latest waste and recycling fire report and that sort of stuff. But yeah, how are things going in waste and recycling? Yeah. And, and honestly, I mean, this is a two hour question. So I hope I, you know, like, I mean, I hope I don't take this too far, but I just put an article out today. And I think the, the reality is, is this, is that in 2015, when I started doing the report, which that's how you and I met, right? You were doing the dust safety report and I started yeah. putting together the uh, waste and recycling facility, reported waste and recycling facility fire report. And so back then, you know, we were trying to figure out what was going on, right? By 2018, I kind of knew, right? I like, you know, it was lithium ion batteries. It's, there's a wave of lithium ion batteries that have come to the industry. So if you look at the waste and recycling industry and you break it out of a, like around scrap metal facilities, if you break it out of construction and demolition, you know, like really your goal is curbside. And then basically with recycling and what everybody's talking about now, 
you know, the reality is, is that it's like not putting a, a ton of, of garbage into a landfill and taking that and turning it into commodities and reusing the material. So, you know, the, the reality is, is like, like there's so many different places that waste and recycling is actually hitting like the fire issue and, and lithium ion batteries, but it's hitting different industries in different ways. So, you know, and again, it's one big waste recycling industry, but it's made up of like electronic recycling, which is just guys who recycle just batteries. And that was the one I was telling you about, you know, the uh, the massive continuous flow solution that that we just, you know, went live with. But, you know, also we have scrap metal. That's a little different, right? Like the, the lithium ion batteries are getting into, if you think, you know, some of these, these facilities, like, you know, you're basically, you're processing cars. So think if you were in a car accident, you process that car and how many of the batteries, like your earbuds or whatever, are just sitting in there somewhere. And the reality is, is that when they're cleaning out your car, like they can't just randomly grab things because, you know, there's drug needles and there's other things that could be in those cars. So it's actually more dangerous to go through it. So what ends up happening is they scrap that car and then you actually get lithium ion batteries in their ASR piles or in their other piles. Right. And again, so all I was basically saying at that time was that lithium ion battery problem was getting worse and we better watch out for it. And basically that did happen. And then my, my prediction then was if there's only 10,000 of these waste and recycling facilities in the country, and the fire rover system, every like every hundred installations I get, I take away a percent, right? And so the goal is, is that we're going to have less fires over the next five years as the fire rover system gets installed. Now, again, fast forward to today, right? Like we've never had a catastrophic loss start in an area that we protect. Um, in 2022, we had um, about nine fires per box, right? So like, you know, and, and we just announced our 500th or 500th installation. So the reality is, is that like, you know, and again, we're in Australia, UK, France, we're in, you know, Canada, US. So the reality is, is that that 10,000 number of waste and recycling operations, again, that that's C&D facilities, scrap metal facilities, you know, MRFs, all like the whole gamut of all these different types of recyclers. But the reality is, is that, you know, once we are protecting, I think we're protecting about three to 4% of these facilities and we're still seeing the numbers go up, right? Like, and they were spiking in the last three years. And then this year, I think we're going to break even, like break even meaning uh, last year we had 390 reported fires in the media. This year, I think we're going to, I just forecasted 381 when we're finished. So what I'm hoping is, is that the prediction that I made that if our system is employed in all these facilities, as you get a higher percent of these facilities and the bigger ones, right, from a volume and a tonnage perspective, you actually look at it and you say, okay, we'll see less reported fires. We'll have more knowledge of fires, but we'll have less reported fires. So again, like I could go on to that forever. I'm going to do my annual report. This will be my number seven. So you can get that. If you follow me on LinkedIn, it's Ryan Fogelman. And then also I have like a fire safety report um, that, you know, has over 9,000 people that you can join or subscribe there. So again, like all this information seems like a lot, but I, I do a lot of posting if you want to learn more. And I have a ton of articles written, you know, about these types of topics. Yeah, hundred percent. And while you're talking there, let's grab some of the links. Um, the Waste 360 report, is that the Waste and Recycling Fire Report Achieving Best Case from Worst Scenario? Is that the one that just went out? So, so I wrote that report. I, I write an editorial for Waste 360 every month. And okay. it, it 
it's on some type of problem. Like I did one on fire water. I did one on uh, the vapes and like, you know, how people like disposable vapes, like they have a lithium ion battery in them and they're disposable, right? Like, I mean, we're just, you know, we're not helping ourselves in so many different ways. And, you know, one of the the big things that I'm looking at is like, if, if you look from a, just a pure recycling perspective, and I'll make this quick because I understand. I mean, you know, it's just, it's interesting because it affects every person in the world, right? But like in the United States, a million pounds or a hundred million pounds a year, right? Will is, uh, or a hundred million tons a year is scrap metal that is taken like that, that's, that's recycled, right? And then 500,000 or 500,000 pounds or 500 million pounds, right? Is C and D. So then you add in waste and recycling, it's only like 10% of the number, right? Like it's a small amount. And then we're spending all this time educating the public on this stuff. They look at it and they think that, you know, they're not recycling correctly, but the reality is, is that, and then they think that putting an aluminum can in a, in a separate like bag is doing a lot. Right. But the reality is, and then they're looking over at the scrap metal facility or the you know, the, the trash facility and they're like, oh, there's smells, there's explosions, there's risk, there's all these things, but they're the ones doing the heavy lifting. So it really is a, you know, an evolution. And the one thing I will say is waste and recycling in the United States is, has really adopted this technology and it has stopped there. Like the fires are stopping, right? Like they're slowing down and, you know, I, I hope we get them to zero. Um, but again, I mean, that's probably 10 years away and that would assume that we were in every single facility. Yeah, and I remember from our discussion, I mean, so there's so many points there, right? There's the types of hazards that are continuing to grow, lithium-ion batteries in, in all sorts of things, from disposable vape pens to many other you know systems. There's scrap recycling, there's different type of recycling, construction, demolition, electronics. There's some kind of high-level challenges you mentioned. Batteries are a big challenge, whatever you want to call the lithium-ion batteries, whatever size they are. You have your education, you have your roles. You know, is one person doing a better job sorting their their recycling going to fix the problem, or do we need to address the you know the big recycling plants? The big piece I remember this from our discussion years ago was with the way that you guys solve the problem, where you actually have the sensors and the video cameras and you're seeing all the data. At that point, I just remember thinking, "Wow, you're going to have access to all the data to solve the problem moving forward," which was really neat. So, did you say you guys have 500 installations today, or five? thousand i couldn't i didn't write the uh, we, have, we have 500 which Five, i mean 500 but so 500 nine an average fire that's 4500 fires a year box. that's per box so I'm, i might have three boxes at one site and then keep in mind i have boxes that are on storage facilities that you know never they never trigger at all you know we also do a bunch of other things now like you know we, we do like metering drums like you know when inbound material comes we're tied to e-stops we're I mean, we're doing so many different things. Like um, I'm building a firewatch solution for a large paper company, right? And basically like, if you look, we have this new product called the uh, OnWatch. And what the OnWatch does is it actually sits in front of landfill facings so that, I mean, the, the real problem when you see a landfill fire is they're really hard to put out. But the reality is they're not hard to put out if you catch them early. But what typically happens is someone leaves on a Friday, it comes back on a Monday and, you know, it's been burning for two days, you know, and it, it's usually like someone calls in from the black smoke. But the reality is, is that we have a box, it's a solar unit, sits about 350 feet in front of the landfill face and it does early detection. So if someone sees it at three in the morning, they come back, they put cover over it, you know, or they put basically dirt 
and you know they'll they'll put that fire out. So, you know, we're we're doing that plus so really it's the whole skin I would say of the fire rover like we're your bodyguard, right? We're there to protect you whatever your hazard is, right? And we're not afraid of hazards because that's why you bring us in because you have an explosion risk, you have, you know, you know, a lot of times it's a dust risk as well, right? So, I mean just all those different, you know, kind of factors come to play, but the reality is is that like, you know, we're using our solution for airplane hangers and, you know, like, um, outdoor, um, uh, chemical, you know what I mean? Like, um, storage yards and paper mills. I mean, you know, we have, we have a, a new unit that's 40 feet high that basically runs off water that, you know, will replace a standard water tower at any, I mean, any, at any industrial site in the world. Right. So again, I feel like we're, we're really trying to do more than just evolve and you know we are getting pigeonholed in waste and recycling but the reality is waste and recycling just needed us you know what i mean like they needed a solution like ours and it allowed us to really get a lot of that data that if you go to our youtube page you know our channels there you know i mean it's like we've you actually can see like you were saying a front row seat of every single thing that happens and why it happens and honestly, I try to tell people like, you know, in all the comments, you know me, I try to respond to everybody and explain to them what's really happening if they want to know. Yeah, can't agree. And so I'm looking at it. I mean, you have the box, right? So you have, you call it your bodyguard that works <laughs> and you get the data, but then you're, you're also not just stopping the fires. You're learning each time. So you can have better procedures, how to cover it with, how to apply cover, how to apply the dirt, how to avoid escalating something or making it worse, how to reduce the loss of like I can just imagine every every vector, every variable you're looking at, you're learning as you go. I remember back then and, and now today being the same feeling. It's like, I just wish we had that type of visibility into combustible dust incidents happening around the world. <laughs> I often think, how do we solve things the same kind of way you do, right? So there's this many happening a year. We can impact 1% and keep to grow that. And you're saying you're just about to break even this year um, in terms of more happening, but you're also protecting more and coming to that level point. Geez, we don't have that data in combustible dust. <laughs> like every instant, it it takes. I mean, the Didion report just came out. Didion Milling from U.S. Chemical Safety Board, excellent body of work, ton of effort from the investigators to put together some really nice analysis, some good lessons learned, some really good recommendations for OSHA and others. But it took seven years to get one one report out, and and so in that seven years, I mean, you guys have analyzed I don't know, rough numbers, fifty thousand fires. And been able to, through brute force, just looking at the data, understand what the recommendations might be. So um, I remember thinking the same thing before. It's, it'd be so nice to have this access to data. And with that, I would say if you have a question about waste and recycling or fire detection in other industries, reach out to Ryan. It's not hard to find. Uh, we'll put a link to his, his LinkedIn profile, but we'll put a link to his um, Waste 360 author profile. And that should just give you all, I assume, all the, the articles that you're writing for Waste 360, certainly to the, the fire waste and firing fire recycling report the youtube channel and that you get the front row seat in all this this that happens so i don't know if there's any comments there that you have in terms of my want for i wish i had this data in combustible dust i guess i got to create a something that can record these things and, and put it on the market but uh, it would be oh, it would be good I to get that I data mean I mean, I, I look at the fact that we're on the front lines and the fact that every single thing that we do is watched, right? Like, I mean, keep in mind, we're nine of the top 10 waste and recycling companies in the US, right? So like for, you know, I probably manage $10 billion worth of property plant equipment. So the, you know, and again, the real, it, it, this is a pure insurance play, right? Because 
the reality is, is that like, if I tell you that I that there were 400 reported fires last year and one of them had a catastrophic loss, we put the fire out in the spot, but something happened. I mean, again, fire department doesn't show up. They go to use water. The water, like, you know, the, the water is, um, you know, the, frozen. The, yeah. Well, no, the, the utility had shut off the water. So they yeah. literally lost their entire, like we did our job that, you know, but again, like I know of those 400, one of them was ours. The rest of them weren't. Now, again, that doesn't mean like I have all these different types of solutions. So the reality is, is that like, you know, w when we fight these fires, they're pretty sometimes and sometimes they're not right. Like, you know, and again, we really are a bunch of different layers, right? We call the fire department. We have our unit that can spray. We have, you know, our person who's on site, we have the customer who has calf systems, typically, like, we have a ton of these, uh, you know, basically just mobile calf units that they can use. Because again, when you're putting out a fire, it's all about layers, right? And like, the more, you know, the catastrophic loss happens, I mean, you know, you said it before, right? You still need to be a good operator. And I think waste and recycling in the United States is actually because of our system, but not only because of our system, but because of all the processes that all the majors have put in place and a lot of the smaller guys and all the learnings that we've learned. It actually, like, I think from a fire protection perspective, the waste and recycling industry in the U S is like the forefront of the world, right? Because we're not losing the, the systems that we're losing in the UK. And again, I actually, I did an article on two weeks ago because in the UK, they're still having crazy fires. And again, they keep saying that our system won't work right? Like, or I'm sorry, our system's too expensive to work. So then you look at it. And again, I'm, I'm 150 grand to do a tip floor, right? Like, I don't know where people get this, like that we're expensive. I mean, we do have a monthly like subscription charge, but the reason we have it is because of what we were just talking about is that when I see an event and something goes wrong or something goes right and we fix it and there's no consequence right like so let's say i sprayed a little too late or let's say you know we overshot and pulled back right and again you can see all these a lot of these videos are on on youtube because again it's not a perfect freaking science but the reality is is that when when you're seeing us do all that stuff and you know you i can't have an argument with a customer in five years about hey i need to replace this piece of equipment I'm always have to be on, right? I can't go through sourcing every time something breaks, right? Over a 20 year period. Because if I have to do that every time, then literally like it, it just like, I have to have complete respect from the company that whatever we need to do to get that 99.999% uptime, they allow us to do and don't get in our way, right? And I don't say that meanly. I'm just saying a lot of big companies you know, you're like, hey, I need to, you know, I, I need 15,000 for a budget. Well, that could take literally nine months, you know? Yep. And by the way, then your system's not working for nine months. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the the point, right? <laughs> you're And the uh, Murphy's law says that the accident's going to happen at that point in time, but even more so startup shutdowns, non-typical operations, that's when you're going to see a large, large likelihood of this type of stuff happening anyway. I want to cycle back. I mean, we talked about some of the technical aspects and my my goal for this one was, uh, I was thinking that individual that sent us the message and said, well, let's try to give them an update on where waste and recycling is at. Let's try to get an update on Fire Rover as well. And my goal was to, some folks that are working in this area adjacent, like they're not typically working waste and recycling, but they get pulled in to do a hazard assessment, that they understand some of the parts of it and that they understand the role that Fire Rover can play in this industry. But you mentioned something here about education that I wonder if you had made us a place we'll kind of close off is, if you could just wave a magic wand on the 
structural issues that you see, not not the responding to fires, but like, well, actually, here's a good question, Ryan. I don't know. How, how do we make it so we don't even need fire rover anymore? <laughs> Maybe that's the way to look at it. We don't need fire rover because there's enough education, enough stuff going on that that people aren't throwing these things out or that the people that are doing their cycling are working in a way that they're not, they're much less likely to cause these fires. Uh, I don't want to yeah. put fire over a business, but that's kind of the way I'm thinking of the frame of this question is like, how do we educate the whole global community on this thing? Yeah. And again, I always tell people like I'm in the fire business, right? I'm not in the waste and recycling business. So the reality is, is that, I mean, we're almost FM, like we're in the final stages of FM approval for a continuous flow solution. Uh, we have about 50 systems that have fire rover as the primary system um either you know so like i just got a cnd facility that we built from scratch with fire rover right like and again we're not you know it's it's continuous flow and we got a variance of fire rover basically as the primary system in lieu of a sprinkler system so you know they're like this stuff's gonna happen right and i think to tell your people i mean I really like to people to understand that we like before they start building these facilities, they need to bring us in because that's really when we can save money, right? Because I'm basically coming in and, you know, putting the proper protection in. And again, I'm not saying sprinklers are bad. There's certain areas that they make sense, right? But there's also certain areas where our system, which is a combination of thermal cameras, optical flame detectors, all this different things. And on site, I mean, FM did a study last year that our type of our type of a system, which again, we have a patent on, so there's no one else doing this, can actually put a fire out using 92% less water, right? And this was an FM study. So th the reality is, is that our like water, water, water approach in fire protection, it needs to be replaced by early detection, early response, which is where we're playing, right? Now in the waste and recycling industry, I think to answer your, you know, your question about how do I put myself out of business, like there are, are technology companies that are working on like using radar in uh, in in uh, curbside bins, right? So they can see the batteries. There's robotics in the sorting line after the pre-sort. So like, listen, there's a lot of, of kind of things that could happen. Again, education is huge, but keep in mind that like you're going to educate the public to take out batteries and batteries aren't the only thing that causes fires, right? Yeah, That's you had the example of like a car, right? You're not... There's going to be batteries in between the seats of the car. There's going to be small explosive devices to release seat belts. Like the cars have all kinds of stuff in them. <laughs> so you're all not right. going to get rid of these issues by just educating the public to throw cans in the right bin. <laughs> I think it's what right. you're kind of saying. <laughs> no, and, and again, like traditional hazards like fireworks and, you know, like hot briquettes. I mean, we have a summertime spike of fires. So we see like double the amount of fires in the summer than we see the rest of the year. But the reality is that's not a lithium ion battery problem. That's a heat and dryness problem. Yep. So like, you know, when you start to really look at it, it's like there's certain industries and occupancies that have an inherent risk of fire. And like, I don't know that you can educate your way out of the you know the garbage industry or the waste and and you know the the hauling industry or the recycling industry or scrap metal industry like i don't know that you can get to a point where you don't have an inherent risk of fire and again our system works for a shitty operator who has 60 fires a day right because they're doing something wrong or taking from the wrong place but our system also works for the guy who's doing everything right and you know has one fire and it also works for the guy who's doing everything right but their customers don't do everything right. So yeah. like, it really is, I think to your point, it's it, it's an education and it's a, you know, you need a certain, just like if you go to a refinery, right? There's certain things from a fire protection that are required. 
because of the inherent risk of an explosion. It's not a big chance of an explosion, but if it does, it's such a massive problem to the community that you need to like get it early, know about it fast and react to it quickly. Because I mean, everyone will say the same thing about fires, right? Which is the earlier you catch it, the less it's going to cost, right? So yeah, makes that's a lot really of sense. what our system does, right? And again, you know, I can get variances of fire rover and Lewis sprinkler system. Like we, we've, we're eight years in, so think that every big company has beat us up. And when I say beat us up, I mean, they did due diligence on us, right? And like, they've checked our technology, they've checked our this, that, like all these different things, right? We've had tests and certifications and everything that we're doing. So the reality is at this point, I'm pretty confident that our solution works and it does what it's supposed to do. So I spend more of my time trying to educate the insurance companies that like they should not be as afraid of this occupancy because now the industry has this problem least under control, right? It's not going to burn down your facility or the chances of it catastrophic loss in a facility with ours is, is, you know, 90 plus percent greater if you have our system than if you don't. Right. And again, that's really where I think we're getting, we're heading towards. I appreciate it. And it's, it's interesting to see the, I mean, the vision for you guys. I, I remember when we were talking three years ago, the, the discussion on whether or not this could replace sprinkler systems. And I'm sure that's not a, I mean, you mentioned the FM approval and standards development process to be able to make that happen. And it's a long, it's a long process. It takes a long time to move a whole industry. I'm seeing that with what we do. I mean, that's what we're trying to do with combustible dust. And it's across many varied industries. <laughs> but I, I appreciate it. I mean, I, lo I look up to what you guys do. We started, I might even release our instant reports in the same year. We um, did. Yeah. So, this, yeah, that, that's it. 2016, that's when I, I left and started started this thing. Um, yeah. It's just kind of, it's it's cool to see how the vision is playing out. I, I appreciate the work Fire Rover does. I appreciate that the, the mission-based approach that you guys have in trying to reduce these things rather than just, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can. And, and if people don't listen, then that's up to them. Well, that, that's never been your approach. I don't think your approach is okay. If they're not going to listen, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to make them listen or how to, how to educate them enough to listen. Um, and, and I appreciate seeing that. So really interesting discussion, Ryan. Um, we will not wait three years, to get you back on the podcast again. If you, if our little live chat button is live and you see this podcast on the webpage, Shoot me a note and say, "Hey, love Ryan's podcast, like the gentleman did in uh, did in Ireland that sparked this uh, discussion here." Um, anything you want to leave leave the folks off with today, Ryan, before we close out? Well, no, I, I mean, I think you said it right. Like you build an overnight success over years, and you know, I, I can't even tell you how many people told me in the beginning that we were literally. I mean, not only were we going up an uphill battle, but like I'm trying to change the way the world fights at their fires, right? Water, water, water. That's the way it's been forever. And again, I'm not taking that away for certain things, but the reality is, is that early detection and targeted like suppression techniques. And, you know, again, if you think about it from a lithium ion battery, like, we don't fight fires. We try to stop a chain reaction, right? We hit the catastrophic or we, we hit the collateral assets. So like, we're trying to do everything that we can that we know how to do with our tools. And again, like it's one of those things that, you know, like if in 50 years, you know, you know, the if in 50 years we're not all fighting our fires this way, I'd be shocked. I would honestly be shocked. And, you know, because at a certain point it will become, you know, but what I will say, too, is that like the AI systems that everybody promised, they don't work. Right. And the reason why is because they don't know what not to shoot right? They don't know what to hit. They don't know if it's a person. They don't. And again, I know you can program all this stuff in,
but at a certain point, you really need a human to like be the actual brains of the operation, right? So again, I appreciate all your support and, you know, listen, if anyone wants to listen to me, I mean, I'm usually pretty frank because, you know, again, I'm doing this because I want to be doing it and not because I have to be. Um, and again, I'm blessed in that, you know, in that fact, but, you know, listen, I love what we're doing. My passion's real. And, you know, I know, you know, we have a hundred employees now and everybody, I mean, you know, we're the guys you want at four in the morning so that you can go to sleep and not worry about whatever, you know, your hazard is that you worry about and keeps you up at night. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Um, thank you so much, Ryan, for, for taking the time to come on today. Uh, like I said, we'll have you back on. We'll, we'll try to get it at least annually at this case. We won't, uh, we won't, uh, we won't wait three and five years to get you back on. So appreciate you what you're doing. Look forward to a chance to talk again soon. Always love it. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Ryan. We'll talk soon. All right. Bye. So you've been listening to myself, Dr. Chris Cloney and Ryan Fogelman from Fire Rover, and we've been discussing waste and recycling, recycling fires and fire protection systems. This is actually an update on, I guess we'll call it a series. This is the third in the series. Way back in episode 14, which would be just shy of, of five years ago, we covered fire hazards and waste and recycling facilities. And as Brian mentioned in the episode, that was sort of on the back of him releasing his waste and, and recycling fire report. Uh, we were re- releasing our, our combustible dust incident report. Both probably looked not as well designed as the, as the versions that are coming out uh, five, six years later. Um, we started to have a discussion about how do you actually move a whole industry? How do you try to improve things across the board? Um, we had Ryan back on episode 101 to give an evolution of Fire Rover's waste and recycling solutions, talk about the industry trends that they were seeing there, and then have him back on today to, to continue that discussion. To me, as a person trying to facilitate change at a very large level and facilitate change in a way that you can't touch the solution. Like I can't just walk site to site and fix combustible dust. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> we got to move things through communication, through education, through being useful and effective, through um, you know trying to get things done and bring the right people in. And, and with all those ideas in mind, seeing what Fire Rover is doing, how they're going about that is is inspirational and in, in seeing how, how to move a whole industry forward. So hopefully getting Ryan back on and talking through these you know, challenging with the waste and recycling other industries, which is for you as a listener. If you are going to one of these facilities doing a hazard assessment, if you are an insurance specialist or regulator or inspector, which have many that listen to this podcast, um, hopefully this gives you some insight into the solutions there. As always, I want to say thank you for listening to the podcast. Hope you have a safe and productive week ahead. I appreciate everything you're doing in interest handling combustible dust and waste and recycling and really industry, any industries that have fire and explosion hazards out there every, every week and every day with the work that you're doing. Keep it up.